nice evening to get into the Word of God then. What do you guys think? This uh, We were talking about the Creator and the work of the Creator in uh, the Institutes. And, of course, if He's the Creator, what happens after He creates? Then He governs it. And, uh, of course, the uh, other view would be deism. He just creates and then lets it go. Aren't you glad He doesn't do that? Well, we wouldn't be here, would we? But He's the one who created all things. We know that. And He's the one who now preserves what He creates and, and governs it. And it's been said, this this is where it, you come close to, the, to ecstasy. I mean, uh, at the top of the line, as far as doctrine goes, it's uh, celebrating... I think the the biggest aspect of who God is as He runs everything, controls everything. He sustains and He nourishes and He cares for everything He's made, even down to the last sparrow. Which reminds me of Matthew 10.29. Sound familiar? You know where we're going on that, right? Well, that's in the same area. Joke I saw... I think it was on Facebook. Somebody posted the the turtle is the psychiatrist and the sparrow is the patient. The sparrow's laying on the bed, and the doctor says, "So what is what is the problem?" I feel like someone has his eye on me all the time. <laughs> Have a little song going there at the time. Matter of fact, there was a song was playing a while ago. Eyes on the sparrow. Ten twenty nine are not two sparrows sold for a cent. And yet, not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your Father. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear, you are more valuable than many sparrows. That's very promising, isn't it? Isn't that great? So God nourishes, cares for everything. There's not anything that happens to a sparrow that He doesn't know that He's a part of. And so that's, uh, that's fascinating about, about God. You know, you can, um, I think of Jehovah Jireh in uh, Genesis chapter 22, where you have the story of uh, Abram being told to offer up his son Isaac. And then, as he's about ready to do it, then God more or less steps in. And, of course, what does he say there? Um, He says that. he will provide. He is the provider. And so that's that's the idea. He will provide the ultimate sacrifice. And of course, He will provide everything. Um, in verse 14, Abraham called the name of that place where he was offering up his son. The Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. So when you think of providence, you think of provision being made. Providence, provision. Uh, the ultimate provision is the Son, Jesus Christ, for us, isn't it? And for God to name Himself that right there, that's the first time we see Him called Jehovah Jireh. We get to know about God every time that He says, or you get a name for God. And that's one of them. It was a name not heard before, and then at this time it was. Of course, it points to Christ, but. God provides everything for us, but the sacrifice of His Son is the best thing that we could possibly have. So the Lord will provide Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. God 
provides. God the provider. God the provider. That's the ultimate provision, isn't it? By the way, when you think about it, um, when you think of providence, take the first three letters. P-R-O. P-R-O means before. Vid, provid, video, right, is to see, to have vision. To see beforehand. Hmm. And that's exactly what it is. If it were just that, that's pretty amazing to be able to see beforehand what is going to happen. But it's much more than just seeing beforehand all what's going to happen down through history. But it's one who controls what he also sees. Hey, Val, how you doing? Good. Talking about provision. Providence. Ah. Looks like there's food. Oh, I know that. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you guys' Bible study. Well, it'll be on the website. So, okay. <laughs> See you later. So, I like that idea of him knowing beforehand, to see beforehand, but it doesn't stop with that. And that makes it more comfortable if he just sees beforehand what it does to a lot of people. But to me, it does not give me any comfort whatsoever. Because if he can't step in and control those things, you know, he just sees it and he goes, up, just let it go. You know, that's not the God that I want. I want a God of total providence who is in absolute control. He governs all the events. Let's look up um, Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23. Oh, there's just so many. So many verses to go through, but it uh, hard to think of. Jeremiah 10.23 in the prophet section. I know, O Lord, that a man's way is not in himself nor is it in a man who walks to direct his steps. Here's what we want. Correct me, O Lord, but with justice. Not with your anger, or you'll bring me to nothing. So anyway, though, he's talking about there, a man's way. You know, we don't make, we don't plan everything out in our lives, do we? We didn't know we were going to be where we're going to be five years ago, ten years ago, you know. Uh, what we'd be doing, we might have an idea, and it is wise for a, a person to plan things out. I mean, you, you do that, you know, you, uh, your life needs certain things, where you, but those plans that you have may change, and uh, they will change, but it's, it's one, he's the one who directs our steps in the path that, uh, that is there. Look in uh, Proverbs, there are a few there. Turn backwards to Proverbs twenty twenty four. This really exalts God and kind of tells us why we're at where we're at. What He's doing with us. He's working in us. Proverbs twenty twenty four. Man's steps are ordained by the Lord. How then can man understand His way? 
pretty good, isn't it? Man's steps are ordained by the Lord. You know, you have a general kind of idea the way that things are supposed to be or the way they're going to be. And from day to day, it's not too much of a surprise. But if you were to look back, you know, when you were a kid, you know, you didn't know um, what was going, what kind of jobs you would be working or what your family would be. You had no idea. God not only knew that, but He's the one that put those people in your lives. And, and as you advance further all the way through your walk, in the Lord, it's just amazing. He he is designing the the steps that we we take, so we really can't understand our way. We, um, man, I, I can't imagine. Yeah, that takes all the anxiety out of life. If mm-hmm. you reflect back for what he's already, what he said, for what he's already what already he's done. done for me, that anytime anxiety really comes up, it's like going, why? Why am I being like that? Because he's already taken care of in the past, and he has past history with me that shows that he's always providing a way for us. So that you know, because they're saying, then you read the scriptures, so they said, of course, of course, he's all this is by his design, and he is providing your same way that he's always done. He will provide for you. Have a great record book to look at. That, you'd never worry about anything. Well, that's, I that's, know. That's, why isn't says, that? And that's why he says it's a sin to do that. You go, oh, that means I'm not trusting. Oh, I forgot who's in charge. Yeah. What's a, the most natural tendency? Is to be to say, Lord, I know you've taken care of me all the way up yeah. through to here, and I know you're no, going I to, to, but you drop the ball. <laughs> what what happens if I lose my job? But now, what do I need to do? Yeah. Well, then that's when you look at the promises and you go, oh, if I'm your words, then... You know, you would think, the older that you get, the more wiser you get on that. And I think about it, I'm going, I'm getting a little more frailer now than I used to be. And, Lord, what's going to happen whenever, you know, certain health things are not there? You have less self-abilities to provide for your ways. And yet, He will do it all the way through, won't He? Why? And, of course, in Matthew what we just read in chapter 10, is really, he's saying, don't be anxious. Yeah, it's a sin, by the way. Just don't do I it. take care of the sparrows. You know, mm-hmm. They're worth hardly anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, but see, in order to not worry, you would have to get your priorities straight. <laughs> no. Well, I don't even think that. You have to, you then, have to put... God where he belongs and then everything else doesn't matter. I think but we don't do that. I we think that's the idea, isn't it? But I think he just keeps proving it because he's already given us past history. Yeah, but we him. keep getting caught up in the world. Or else we thought worry about your kids. Well, you know what? There he's taking care of that too. He's got it. You done. worry about What does you he worry say? About your job, you worry about your health, you worry we get all caught up in the world because the world says these are the important things. And we and go. Those things aren't so much important anymore, he don't are they? Work that way. Everything hard. he's talking about. It's hard. It's, it's just, just not an option. Option. It's just, that's, that's why this this kind of study, it sure gets our mindset right. You know, and yeah. we can think on that more. I have to wonder if it maybe will help us a little better. Because well, you, you know, if you realize that you are worrying, because a lot of times you don't even get it. You don't even realize. Just carrying the you know, you're just carrying this weight around yeah. and, and stewing over these things, and you don't even realize that you've slipped into worry. And you know what? All, all things, that's sin. 
Yeah. It's hard to say that, but it's actually sin. Well, but not, it's not but trusting. Also, because then he comes out and he's at the spot about all, be all things, be joyful, be, be you know, delight in all things. You're like going, how can I, how can I, how can I, how You know, he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. That's why. It does go back. It's like, I can say, I don't say I'm really happy. Look at what you're doing. Something to draw upon. You need to just relax and enjoy it. That's really (laughs) what he says. I really want you to enjoy life. Instead of just grudging it through. 16.9, Proverbs. The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. There again, it's just a different way. Basically saying the same thing that he has said in other verses. We, we plan our way, we, we think it, and that's good, we should do that, but the Lord is the one who is really directing us, isn't He? Uh, and, we, and if we're in His will, and in His word, and in His way, whatever comes Not along, it's okay. If we're always in it, but if that's so our desire to be that way. You know, because like when we fail, you well, know, he the will, enemy comes He will give you the desires right. of and your desi- heart. Yeah, the desire That's the whole thing, is yeah. to want to, to please Him. Uh, Psalm 104. 27. That's how He takes care of His creation. They all wait for you to give them their food in due season. You give to them, they gather it up. You open your hand, they are satisfied with good. You hide your face, they are dismayed. You take away their spirit, they expire and return to their dust. You send forth your spirit, they are created. And you renew the face of the ground. Let the glory of the Lord endure forever. Let the Lord be glad in His works. Now that's something, you know, there it is. He's giving, He's providing due season. Give it to them. They gather it up. You open your hand. They're satisfied with it. And then you have the other side. That it's like, um, you know, he, he hides his face. Or uh, the providential care is already is always there, but it may not always be what we would think it or like it to be. And there is, as he provides for his creation, you know. Uh, yeah, get your hands uh, off <laughs> You take away their spirit and they expire. So he's he's controlling in our life and in our death. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders which you have done and your thoughts toward us. There is none to compare with you. If I would declare and speak of them, they would be too numerous to count. There's all the things that that's you know you think of Thanksgiving and there's just too many things we would just go on all day we never would be able to say enough thanks would we the wonders what you've done they're innumerable your thoughts towards us his thoughts are towards us yeah as he provides for us nobody can compare. If we declared and spoke of everything, it'd be too numerous to even count. Ha. Huh. So it's more than foreknowledge, isn't it? It's absolute governing. Governing our lives. So it, it he's got the whole world in his hands. You guys remember that song? 
No, the little bitty baby in his hands. He's got the little bitty baby in his hands. He's got the little bitty baby in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. Simple little song. Boy, it's deep, isn't it? <laughs> He's controlling all things. He determines what's going to happen. Let's look at Psalm 115, verse 3. It does set things right, that's for sure. Start off verse 1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us. I like this one. But to Your name give glory. It's not about us, but to Your name give glory. Because of Your loving kindness or mercy, because of Your truth, why should the nations say, Where now is their God? But our God is in the heavens. What does He do? Whatever He pleases. But but God can't do that. He does whatever He pleases. I like that. Actually, the rest of the context there is dealing with idols. Pagan idols. And they're, of course, contrasted with the Lord. There's, how do you compare? no comparison really so it's just that it's more than foreknowledge it's government governing in all things he does and a lot of times we hear the word well it's about God permitting things to happen and usually when we say that something bad happens we'll say well God permitted it and because we know that if it happened and he didn't want it to happen it wouldn't have happened, or otherwise there's something bigger than him. So God is that big, and He does whatever He pleases, as we've looked at those verses, and we see that um, there's a big distinction. Although, what Calvin does, he does what uh, Augustine does here, and he says it's okay to use the word permission only if it's meant in the strong way. Uh, He does not unwillingly permit, but willingly permits it. So if we want to use the word permit, you know, it's like uh, parents who have have a kid, let's say, the kid just keeps badgering the parent. The parent says, no, I don't want you to do that. The kid just keeps after it. And what does a parent finally do? They cave in. They give in. They say, "Oh, okay. I don't want you to do it, but go ahead." You know, we, you know, we've done that. They keep pestering you until finally, okay. Uh, but you know, then we'll put but, and then, it, but you know, you, it was giving a permission, but it really wasn't willingly, was it? It was giving permission, but not willing. It's a mere permission. It's a weak permission. And so whenever he uses this terminology like this, it's talking about he does not unwillingly permit things to happen, but if he permits, it, it is because of his will. So really, ultimately, it, ultimately, it's his will that it happens. And later on, we get into the secret will of God and the revealed will of God. Well, and once again, I maintain that we miss a lot of blessings because we call them bad things. A car accident, that's a bad... I love that story where the guy is talking about um, 
uh, he's, he says one thing and he says, and the neighbor says, oh, that's bad. Oh, oh that was oh, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, how I, that's how I feel. I think, you know, we look at things and we say it's bad because that's what the world told us it was a bad thing. So we think, well, it didn't go my way, so that must be a bad thing. Right. But it's not. Yeah, because we like, have no idea what like God is going to do in. with that. You know, you know, oh, that's really bad. We, oh, uh, that's really, good. <laughs> no, that's that's a good thing. <laughs> you know, and you don't know. A car accident looks like a bad thing, but maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was a good thing. I mean, God did it, so it must have ended. So just somehow. <laughs> he doesn't do bad things, so it's just good. Yes, yeah, God is going to... Do, yeah, and of course, in our humanness, we, yeah, and this is where it starts getting over the head. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, well, ultimately, yeah, God is working all these things together for good. To those loving. Those who are called according to His purpose. All good. I don't understand, but it's all good. Now, um, let's see. You're saying he allows things to happen. Well, I, uh, it, yeah, uh, um, yeah. He said something like this. You cannot say, "Well, I'll use permission here, so that God is not really involved in what happens." Mm-hmm. And I think that is the common kind of thinking. Like whenever something that's well, it seems like really bad, somebody gets in an accident, and I know it's like we, we we like to justify God, or so God wasn't in on that. Well, like so many God lives, didn't. It's like God had His hands off; He couldn't do anything. Like so many lives were lost in something. Mm-hmm. But you have to remember that was their appointed time, and when He knew that they would be no longer be here on the earth, and that's I mean that's a shock for all of us right. too. It's like God, like I said, they're said, but that was as far as He had planned for them to live on this earth. Even if that's thousands of people at one time. Now, in our humanist, the grief is going to be there, right. and that's I mean, all a part of it. And, but He even uses but grief yet, of all that to sit right. there and to make people wonder, why are they here? Well, I look at the life of Paul, and I think of the many, many times he was in prison, which was a really bad thing. Didn't make sense at all, Not did it? Not a bad thing at all. If he hadn't done that, he'd have been out running around preaching and stuff, and we wouldn't have him testimony. That's how he got to <laughs> sit down and write, didn't he? Mind, you know, right? I'm sure he didn't you know, sit around thinking, oh, this is really a good thing. Right. <laughs> but it was good. Yeah. It was because and only God can make something so bad make it be actually good. I mean, without that, wow. we would still be lost. <laughs> so he, he he is governing. What we're saying, he's actually governing everything that. But with Paul, but he kept grant, but he granted Paul favor all the time with all the persecutions and everything like that. Too, because well, you know, I don't of, care. You know, you can call it favor or whatever, but sitting around in a muddy, gooey floor, John, chained up, and but he also said, oh, he had to have some thoughts sometimes of saying, "Here, I'm serving you, Lord," saying, and that's that. really, he did. <laughs> this is what I get. Right. Really, but he kept, but he kept seeing, but was being granted to him more grace. Oh yeah, to see past that. Then the, well, you yeah, would have the could have rolled, right. rolled. That's what I'm saying. You would have the that people that would be serving him. He, he was even. Mm-hmm. 
uh, tied up to uh, a man. So he got to preach the gospel as people came in. And for the whole family uh, of of the household. But in one letter, he's all alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, by the way, send my coat because it's kind of cold. Everybody else has left me except Luke, you know. I mean. How desperate must that have felt? Well, and that was, I believe, the real humanist because we just can't sit here and say, oh, you know, everything is, you know, and, and you're right in what you're saying, but when something desperately bad happens to us, and yet at the same time we know, okay, God is working in this, but yet for us not to feel the real thing, and no matter what, we're going to be thinking, is this, is this right? And what a great thing. For us to see that in his letter. The real humanist. Yeah. Yeah. How that he was in a horrible, desperate situation. And he felt it. And he, felt and he it. even wrote it. Mm-hmm. We go there. I mean, our lives are like that. And, yeah. You know, so maybe we could see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's supposed to help I us mean, through it. I mean, he never saw what he did for me. But <laughs> And yet... You know, all yeah. these years later, I'm, you know, really enjoying his letters. Mm-hmm. That's right. Because we see his humanist in it all. I just think God's plan is incredible. It's He's awesome. You know, it's the whole thing. So when I yes. have to go through, you know, the stuff that I hate, <laughs> you know, I can look back at that letter and say, Oh, yeah, well, you know, and then look at all these years later how much good it has done that Paul had to go through that. So maybe something good will come uh-huh. to mind. Yeah, and you can you look at your own life whenever there were times that we might have gone through that was really rough and tough. We look back at it, I just swallowed my gum. <laughs> it's just kind of there. We look back, though, and we go, he did get me through that, didn't he? How did he? Well, how many you know, but we didn't he, think we could go any further. How many times does he use the suffering that you're going through for, to have somebody else relate exactly. to suffering? And, and you don't even know who all was watching. Yeah. Yeah. You don't but know if nothing how else, many. It sits says, hey, you're not alone. Right. If it's not, I'm not through it, but hey, you're not alone. Right. Or this is, this is the walk. It's you know it's not all peaches and, and, and you don't know how many people yeah. were affected by what yeah. happened in your life. You yeah. you don't know. Oh yeah, you might name one or two, but yeah. how many others that we would else? never know? They just never oh, well just the, they just noticed it and you didn't even realize it. Exactly. Paying attention. Exactly. Yeah. So when we look at those verses and we read those, we have to say that God governs everything. And you know he he permits in the in that strong way because uh, it's going to fit into his whole big plan. God does not tempt people to sin. God is everything that he involves is good, but yet also there are sinful actions and even intentions of people that God even governs in that whether it be Christians or non-Christians, he's still governing over that. And whether he he might keep them from it, or he might just let them go and do uh, what they want to do, which most often, that's usually what happens. But you know what? God is not only doing things you know, for the human race, 
For the human race, He is. But even more pinpointed is that He's doing it for the church. Because ultimately, that's where everything is headed in His big plan. Everything is working together for good to those who love Him, which is the church, and to those who are called according to His purpose. How can we understand that? The order, the the reason, the necessity of those things, uh, the happening, you know, they're 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 all pretty well hidden in God's purpose, and they're not even apprehended, like you say. I mean, how many people and how many different situations are involved in this? It, my, it it it's beyond our imagination. Well, you look at the, the prophets, the, the prophets, and the. the Trauma. They even call the traumas that they went through. They didn't think about us. No, they didn't know. <laughs> in the year 2018, yeah. here we yeah. yeah. They didn't think anything of us, but and yet we're affected by their lives. That's why we read awesome. the word and, and we see it there, and we see then how that applies even to guys us. Like like Martin Luther. Oh sure. I mean, he never thought about me, and yet look at what his life has done for me. What an impact Calvin. it made on all of us, right? <laughs> Calvin didn't Bet think you. about us. He didn't think about us sitting here looking Just at this. Just wrote all this stuff. Yeah. Helpful. <laughs> as he, as he would get scripture brain, and right? he would, you know, expound on that, you know, just makes our thoughts stretch out. Uh, you know, how about natural occurrences? I know that it's easy to say. Wasn't it a great day that God gave us? And then you can have a really bad storm. And yeah, how about that? God hurricane? didn't do that, did He? How about that hurricane? That That's right. So evidently, how about the people uh, in Texas? Their all roads are being washed out. And I was like, yeah. that's still the same storm. What are we doing here? And not that I enjoy that that's happening to people, but yet I know that God sent that to happen. Because we see destruction is what we see. Yeah, and we don't like that. And that's the way it should be. We shouldn't like destruction. Where does destruction come from? Sin. Satan. But yet, God is still using all in His grand plan. It's just look at incredible. The, look at the, the opportunities that people have to help. I mean, that's awesome. We have a lot of people from Missouri that are going to Florida oh, yeah. to help. Just general humanity. Yeah. Whether they're believers or not believers, probably most of them are even unbelievers. But they're helping fellow man. Yeah, that's an incredible thing. And it helps. It makes them feel good. (laughs) You know. Well, they know that that's really a a good thing. They know it's a right thing to do. They know it needs to be done. Yeah, is to help out. They they were given that. That sense is given into man. And who knows what opportunities they're going to have to discover. God's will. Oh yeah, there will be be people come to Christ through that. You know, He uses those elements. So I guess Michael wasn't so bad after all. (laughs) I don't know. You know, Hurricane Michael. Can he use it? Wow. I'm glad it wasn't a part of uh, my life there, but you never know. Mm -hmm. That's just me, my selfishness, isn't it? But um, who wants to go through that? But who wants other people to go through it? But yet, I know that God could have stopped it. God actually ordered it. How about in Exodus 16? Here's God providing. 
Here's God providing meat for His people. In verse 13, remember this one? I'll pick it up verse 12. I've heard the grumblings of the sons of Israel speak to them saying, at twilight, you shall eat meat. What have they been eating all this time? Manna. Manna from heaven. It was the... The most heavenly food you could you could have, but they're complaining now because it's they're not eating meat. So at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Verse thirteen. So it came about at evening that the quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew evaporated, behold, on the surface of the wilderness. There was a fine, flake-like thing, fine as the frost on the ground. Well, he's providing, he's providing manna. He's providing quail meat here for him. We know that uh, they abused the whole thing. You know, we know kind of the story on that. But um, that was something that he commanded to happen. Just out of nowhere, he provides all this ma- every day except for one day of the week, right? That he always gave a manna. And uh, here's where it does the meat thing, and they prove that uh, they weren't really ready for that. Go to Numbers 11. He just orders it up. <laughs> he provides. 11.31 Now there went forth a wind from the Lord, and it brought quail from the sea and let them fall beside the camp about a day's journey on this side and a day's journey on the other side all around the camp and about two cubits deep on the surface of the ground people spent all day and all night and all the next day and gathered the quail he who gathered least gathered ten homers they must be talking about the World Series, about the Astros, I think. <laughs> and they spread them out for themselves all around the camp. While the meat was still between their teeth before it was chewed, the anger of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord struck the people with a very severe plague. So the name of the place was called Kibroth Hatavah, because there they buried the people who had been greedy. That was the whole idea. That was uh, the greed over it all. I mean, oh, he just gave them, could, yeah. you know, okay, you're going to get it now. Well, he gave them their, their fill. But um, there again, he just orders that up just out of nowhere. Huh? How about the book of Jonah? Jonah 1, verse 4. All through the wilderness and that whole story about Israel, you know, that's uh, that's the provision of God, isn't it? Can't miss it. Uh, here's uh, here's God and the weather here. The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. We know why He brought that storm, don't we? Jonah was disobedient, right? Jonah fled. He uh, fled to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. 
and what does God do? So we sometimes you wonder why a certain storm comes up. So Who knows? Maybe there might be one person that's running away from the Lord. Who you know? We don't know that. We can't say, well, God did. You know, when a, a hurricane comes and a city like New Orleans is around, first thing we're thinking is, you know, an evil city like that. And we know what God is doing. That well thing is that he's got a story about the tower you know and was it because those people were wicked that he brought that tower on but there were righteous people there that got killed too so we don't always know what that is but it's certainly the world deserves to be judged anyway though doesn't it and and that will happen that's interesting here he just brings up a wind and a great storm on the sea and those guys are in that boat and they're going through this all because of jonah but God did that. Does He have the right to do that? That's not fair to those other guys, they is it? They also learned how mighty Jonah's God was, though. There's something more to it, isn't it? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have guessed? That's the other thing. God never does just you know one, one little thing at a time. Thing. I think I'll do this for Dennis because if He does it right. for Dennis, He does it for a whole bunch of other people. <laughs> how many people are really involved in this? Wow. We would have never done some of those things that he did. Wow. Yeah, I used to think I was a lot nicer than God. <laughs> yeah, God wouldn't do things like that. <laughs> Psalm 104. This is about the Lord's care over all his works. I'll start in verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with a light as with a cloak, stretching out heaven like a tent curtain. He lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. He walks upon the wings of the wind. And here we go. He makes the winds his messengers, flaming fire his ministers. You know, he uses the wind to, to speak, to be a message. The winds, the hurricanes, tornadoes. Sometimes he uses fires. I always think out in Los Angeles, they have so many yeah. fires. They get pretty arrogant at it sometimes. So I think he just distracts them from yeah. for a second or so from their mightiness that they think. So he's well, swift in his judgment, isn't it? That have to burn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they call in order are to, the pine cones yeah, to, in order to yeah. have baby trees. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I think he uses stuff to distract when people think they're getting a little too high and mighty. He just puts some distractions in their path too. Psalm 107:25. For he spoke and raised up a stormy wind which lifted up the waves of the sea. There it is there. He brings up a storm. Uh, how about those ships in the water? Like verse 23, Those who go down to the sea in ships who do business on great waters, they have seen the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. For he spoke and raised up a stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They rose up to the heavens. They went down to the depths. Their soul melted away in their misery. They reeled and staggered like a drunken man, and were at the wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distresses. So he caused the storm to be still. 
so that the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad because they were quiet. So he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness, for his wonders to the sons of men. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people. Praise him at the seat of the elders. Much, much more to it than we can ever imagine. Yeah, he is in charge of the weather. There's not one drop of rain that comes down that was not commanded by God. There's a lot of drops of rain that we've had lately. Yep, we were praying early that he'd bring rain, didn't we? He did it. Leviticus 26. Twenty-six, three, and four. Now that's kind of interesting here. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments so as to carry them out, then I shall give you rains in the season, so that the land will yield its produce, and the trees of the field will bear their fruit. Indeed, your threshing will last for you until grape gathering, and grape gathering will last until the sowing time. You will thus eat your food to the full and live securely in your land. And he talks about peace. That was a promise to God's people, Israel, there. But I think there's still a good principle in that if, you know, you look at this nation and how it's been the breadbasket, I think a breadbasket to the world in many occasions. We've had food in abundance. We've had everything we need here in this nation. And because we were based on good, godly, biblical principles, we had a great foundation. And we know that, yeah, there are, there have been times where there have been droughts and such, but it doesn't go on for like seven years. And if it is, it's out in the desert somewhere. You know, you can choose to go to some place that has places where he does give rain. And if it gives too much rain there, then you go to some place like Missouri and get everything. All balanced, of course. <laughs> but isn't that... I think there's a principle there. If, if uh, you know, But, of course, God's people can live in a nation that is very ungodly. And I think there can be, and, and there are times when he gives judgments upon a nation. Well, Joseph had... Uh... You had the hid plan for the drought and stuff to come. And then even his family, they came to get the visions that were made off for that too. So there's other always resources. Even if your area, if we don't have it, there's actually other areas that there's resources that, you know, there's available. It's yeah. harder to get and stuff like that, but you're not doing totally, total out. Through all of that, yeah. we see the glory of God. And as he used the instrument Joseph and... Mm-hmm. Look at the position that he wound up in, and who knows how many people that affected. Well, well the whole nation, the didn't it? Right. All the whole world. That's right. <laughs> they were the bread basket, right. weren't they? Because yes. there was drought everywhere. But then also, well, well, and all the Jews ended up there. He got them where he wanted part of the story. because of the drought and come looking for food. Boy, you know what? So that, that was a good thing. thing. That's right. Boy. <laughs> But it was, but for seven years, can you imagine for seven years, if we didn't have rain, we go seven weeks, and you know we're wondering, we ever going to get any more rain? 
Oh, there were big Seven cracks years. in my yard. I can imagine oh, the yeah. growing in Egypt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, office, Eric, yeah. Farther north is Sahara. I mean, how can they have so much abundance in a, in a desert land? Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah. And then he gave Joseph the wisdom to ration it out, you know, to be rationing it out because those bad times were coming. You know, there's an interesting verse. It's found in Zechariah chapter 14. I have always found this very, very fascinating. Zechariah 14. And the context is in the future. Zechariah is pretty well back near the old end of the Old Testament. And to show you the context, it's, it's uh, when Christ comes back, um, God is going to battle the foes of Jerusalem. In verse 4, in that day His feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, right, which is in front of Jerusalem. So He tells all that. Um, the living waters are going to flow out of Jerusalem, half of them toward the eastern sea, half toward the... The Lord will be king over all the earth. The land is going to change, it says in verse 10. Um, there's going to be people that are going to go into the kingdom, nations that um, are believers, and <coughs> God will have a, a temple, a, a millennial temple. In the eternal state, there is not a, a temple. God is the temple there. But there's a, a actually a feast and festivals that's going to be because he says in verse 16, then it will come about that any who are left of all the nations that went against Jerusalem will go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to celebrate the Feast of Booths. And it will be that whichever of the families of the earth does not go up to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts there will be no rain on them. So that means... What if they live next door to me? <laughs> it's and I went. <laughs> you yeah. see those dividing lines every once in a while? Just saying. Well, That's we know this way. can't be the eternal state. This is not heaven, is it? Yeah. But it's not now. And it he can't be... The just and and right we know now. that Christ has already come back. Yeah. Right? That was the context here in this chapter. Christ comes back and He rules and reigns on the earth in that day. But there will be disobedience by people who are in that kingdom. When the kingdom starts, just before the kingdom, you have the, 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 uh, the, the goat, sheep and goat judgment. Sheep go into the kingdom. That's of the nations. Or uh, you, you think of uh, uh, the Israelites going in to that kingdom. They look upon Christ whom they pierced and mourned for Him. Uh, even at the very second coming, they could become Christians. Uh, that's found in Zechariah chapters 12 and 13. And so we get it to here, and he's talking about the nations. And they get the opportunity, and they're supposed to. They're commanded to go to the temple at this one particular feast, which is the Feast of Booths. And they will be blessed, but if they don't, He will not rain on them. And 
it, it says, uh, if the family of Egypt does not go up or enter, then no rain will fall on them. It will be the plague with which the Lord smites the nations who do not go up to celebrate the Feast of Booths. This will be the punishment of Egypt. There's going to be nations during this time. This is what we call the Millennial Kingdom, where Christ is ruling and reigning. He has to rule with a in rod the, of iron. In the city. In, in and these people are not in the they're na- city. Yeah, they're people that are living out. They're, they're like uh, uh, Egypt, but they're people who were believers that went in there. But evidently, okay. they're also going to have children. There are going to be children born at this time. Yeah. Not by us. We're, we will be glorified. We, cannot, we will not we um, produce <laughs> children. But these people who went in will not be glorified. Uh, and they will have children. And it will show that in Isaiah and Zechariah that talks about an infant. You'll be considered an infant if you only live a hundred years during that time. So, you know, it'll be a day when infants no longer will die, you know, in their first few days. They will live for a long time. And you'll be considered an infant if you only live a hundred years. So, this is not the eternal state because people still die at that time. Where else could it be? But what would be the millennial kingdom? Where Christ ruling and reigning? We'll be reigning with Him, serving Him in our glorified bodies. We cannot sin. There will be people who will be still, some of them will sin. They will sin. Because they're not glorified. If they're not glorified, they will sin like we sin. But only in the pre- there will be the presence of Christ. The full revelation is going to be there with His people that have been glorified. And some will not obey him and go up to worship the king in Jerusalem. What's the? Uh, and so, what will they not get? There will still be rain during this time. If you don't get rain, you're not blessed, are you? Hmm. The uh, the uh, feast of booths. Uh, what did that? Uh, is a tabernacle? That's a feast of tabernacles. That's the very last uh, feast of the seven feasts. That's the one that's coming up for the Jews pretty soon that they celebrate still yet today. Mm-hmm. So that there will be a feast of booths at that time. That's interesting. So I thought as well, they talked those might be all be fulfilled, but it sounds like to me that they don't get fulfilled if you're still practicing those. Well, the, the, of course, Christ is the fulfillment of all those yeah, when He comes right. back. But what, they're still going to be doing things in the temple. But these are it, the people that went against Jerusalem. The, the nations in, actually did. They didn't yeah. go into the city. They live outside the city. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just, wow. But they, they didn't want to go up there to, to worship Him. And He says, okay, I'll not give you any rain. So there again, we see that He controls the rain. He keeps it from coming or He will bring it on. And uh, so, kind of a little interesting tidbit there. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why whenever somebody says they don't believe in the millennial kingdom, I have to take them to this passage. I never have really been able to convince too many people of that. But I do get them to say the context of Zechariah 14 is Christ has come back at the Mount of Olives. And uh, it shows that there is a judgment and He strikes the people. There's a war at Jerusalem and the flesh will rot while they stand on their feet and their eyes will rot in their sockets. Tongue will rot in their mouth. Right there on the spot. This is when Christ comes back. Revelation 20, Christ comes back and He has the, the sword, right? 
That means people will die. He brings great judgment. judgment upon the living people. But the ones who are believers, he takes on into the kingdom. The ones who do aren't, haven't died yet, haven't had resurrected bodies, we will have already had that happen. Okay. So that's the millennial kingdom. Got a big wall around it, right? They live in the city with oh. the Lord, where He rules. Yeah, right. And these people here that He's talking about here in verse 16, they don't live in the city. <laughs> they don't. They don't love the Lord. Well, you know, but He's still going to have the nations. <laughs> And they're going to be spread out in different places too. Generations from believers that want their their grandparents, their parents believed, and the generations from off of those. They can have kids, and they can rebel against God and not be believers during that time. And that's why, right at the very end, again, Satan will rebel against God. He will be unleashed. Remember, during the kingdom, what is it? He is on a. He's like. What? I can't think of the word. Tied up yeah, for bound for a thousand years. Mm-hmm. And, and Christ is ruling and reigning. People will sin, but when sin happens, what will happen? Judgment. Boom. God puts it out right like that. As soon as a little fire starts, boom. You see people now they <clears> sit there and go, Well nothing happened to me. Well right then it's that then it's gonna really you know, they think they got away with it. God didn't do nothing to me. So then the children have children and by that time then Satan will wind up getting he gets uh loosened and he starts a rebellion with with people who are not God's people, even during the millennial kingdom. People will not be there'll be people who will not be believing during that time period. That is hard to imagine. With Christ right here on earth. But that goes to show full revelation, people will still reject him because well they pretty well did whenever he came to his own and they own received him not the first time. But in His glory and His people tr- in glory. What kind of heart is that? It's a man's right heart. Right now, with just the revelation we have in the scriptures and people. Yeah, we have like more revelation than like than people did before Christ. Mm-hmm. Oh, that time. Wow, that's that's a good place to stop right there. We had a lot of verses to go through, but isn't that comforting though? As we go through those verses, it's really. Really, 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 uh, I think very comforting. Father, thank You for Your Word, Your truth, and may it uh, be etched upon our minds when we think how great You are and what You've done, how You've always provided. You will never let us down. And even in the times whenever You finally even take us or we have to go through terrible sicknesses, ultimately we know that You are there and You're doing what is the very best even though it doesn't seem like it to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And he's aware of that. (laughs) It's the very best life we have.